literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. We're from the Austin American Statesman. And yes, this is Austin Found. And this is fun. If you live in West Austin, we're going to start connecting some dots on street names that you travel daily. And neighborhood names. Yeah. You know, somebody named them (laughs) and they were a person in our history. And a lot of them are going to come up on this episode for West Austin because there are neighborhoods where it's alphabet streets or numbers and you just don't get or they do a theme for a development. Right. Uh, This is fun. And it really uh, it will make you think about it as you're as you're driving around West Austin. But it started with a couple named Jim and Linda Prentice who tell us about their little treasure of history they uncovered. Well, these are two medical doctors who are are very active, uh, have been active in the philanthropy scene, and that's how I got to know them. They were moving out of their big, lovely home in the Enfield neighborhood on Niles Road, and they were closing on it to move into a a condo in in Terrytown. Time to downsize for the the family. Absolutely. And then the beautiful condo. So they um, went to the bank and got out of the safe deposit box their title of abstract. Have you ever seen one? In it? I don't think so. Well, everybody who buys a house should get one. You, you know, get legally. the big binder from the title company. Right. I, right. And who, who reads those? I, I, yeah. I have it, but. You should read it because huh. it should tell you everything. Whoever owned it or had a lien on it or had any kind of subdivision on it or change of boundary lines going back forever. Wow. (laughs) And that's what they found in this title of abstract. And so this one was created in the 1930s for this property they owned on Niles Road. You know, page after page of interesting history that isn't anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I urged them to do what they were going to do anyway, which is give it to the Austin History Center. But before that, I wanted to read it and mine it for all kinds of things. Oh, wow. Jim and Linda, in their own right, especially Linda, had quite a rich history of Austin. Oh, yeah. I mean, Linda, she's a Hornsby. You know, in Hornsby Mm -hmm. Bend, and they were among the first Anglo-Americans to settle in Travis County. We've talked about the Hornsby's several Mm -hmm. times here, including Rogers Hornsby, the Hall of Fame player, uh, who's buried in the Hornsby Cemetery. over Which we did an episode about, our first couple of cemeteries. Besides being a Hornsby, she's also the daughter and granddaughter of doctors who were very important in creating uh, St. David's Hospital. Oh, wow. Generations of good deed doers. (laughs) Jim came later to Austin. Right. Jim came to Austin in the 1940s when his father was expecting to be drafted and in the meantime took a job with a dredging company that was dredging right where we're sitting right now. (laughs) (laughs) We are in uh, my Airstream studio in the Statesman parking lot. Right. (laughs) Uh, And 
This this was dredging and mining. Yeah, right this, here, right this here, close this to was, downtown. It, it, it was ugly. <laughs> We've talked about that quite a bit because it was north of the river was sophisticated, south of the river was utility or farming or, yeah, or dumping. Well, a, a lot of that did go on, but the riverfront, which flooded all the time, uh, also those floods brought down gravel and sand. The whole uh, southern edge of what is now Town Lake. Ladybird Lake now. <laughs> Boy, how quickly you forget. I know. It's it's an adjustment when you're a longtime Austinite and names change. Yeah. But we're, but we're getting there. His father ran the company now. They, they started moving their operations to West Texas, but they all stayed here. They lived here because, well, it's Austin. <laughs> you know? And then Jim, growing up here, had, you know, some historic places that he lived. They lived in Travis Heights on Fairmount. Right, right, in a home that was later home to Ben White. A name we hear, former yeah. city councilman. That's right, and whose name is on a South Austin freeway. And then to Wheeler Street. In the Aldridge Place subdivision, which is a tiny little neighborhood attached to Hemphill Park. It is a lot of interesting professors and other people live there. It was the childhood home of George Christian, who went on to be LBJ's press secretary or spokesman. And then later, a really powerful public relations director here in town. And then they moved to a house owned by former Governor Price Daniel in Terrytown. So, I mean, you know, every house they moved to. They are in the midst of history. And that's not even counting the house that started this conversation in Old Enfield. And uh, that home in uh, Terrytown is now part of that is part of uh, where they lived as part of Good Shepherd Church. Is that right? Correct? It's the, the rectory for Good Shepherd. What's interesting about this and what really started to uncover from these documents, what was originally the Pease Plantation? Right. And Harris, Harris, yes. Harris Plantation. Yes. And again, you start piecing all this together. All of us know Pease Park, the Pease right. Mansion. I used to walk by it almost daily, taking my dog down to the park, the right. first home we had. And, and you stop and you look at it and you'd see, if you haven't driven by the Pease Mansion, it's well worth it. And you would see places to tie up your horses mm -hmm. and still like water trough type it's things out there. beautifully, beautifully restored. For a while, there was a fear that it would just deteriorate and go away. For a while, I believe the University of Texas owned it. Never give your house to the University of Texas. <laughs> They're never going to take care of it. They're going to wait until it falls apart. Good advice. And you, and you use the land. I'm serious about that. Uh, I learned that even before I knew anything about Austin history. That don't give your home to the University of Texas. For preservation. For preservation. Yeah, because You're really it, giving it to them as an investment. For the right? land. For the dirt. Yeah, because they don't have the money. And, and especially, the, it's not a priority for them mm -hmm. to keep up. An old house. They're busy, uh, busy counting their money. Well, no, they're busy. <laughs> education is the other thing. I shouldn't pick on it. I know that even you, some of their jewels that are on campus, like the Littlefield House, not being kept up, oh, uh, not deteriorating yeah. to, to you know a, a heap. But anyway, yeah, Woodlawn, the peas plantation is has been beautifully, beautifully restored, hmm. inside and out. Uh, it's, you, you won't find a, a better example of that kind of Greek revival, middle of the 19th century home in, here or in many most places in Texas. And correct me if I'm wrong, Windsor Road, 24th, mm -hmm. was the first crossing of the creek? From, I believe so. From and, university? 
from the university area. I mean, there were bridges down below that in uh, like West 6th Street Bridge mm-hmm. is uh, really old. Yeah, the whole uh, Pemberton and Enfield and beyond that Terrytown, those did not get developed until the 1920s when they finally put in some bridges over the creek there because that creek is tough to cross. Yeah, it is. And, and if you go through Pemberton, you probably are on Harris Road right. quite often, and that's that, that was the plantation. That was the Harris Plantation. Mm-hmm. The Harris Plantation, and I learned this doing this story. I did not know this, but the Harris Plantation was the land north of Windsor, and the Pease Plantation was south of Windsor, mm-hmm. and it went all the way down to at least uh, West 6th Street. Parts of the Peace Plantation became Clarksville, parts of it Old West Austin, parts of it Terrytown, and Enfield, whereas the Harris Plantation became Pemberton. Yeah, that's remarkable. They, it, these plantations were a big footprint when you include all these neighborhoods that you right. just mentioned. What were the, what were the plantations? What was their function? Cotton. Oh, there, really? Yeah. I mean, if you could grow cotton, you did. Oftentimes that meant the land was played out very quickly. You know, most of our land here up on the hills is very shallow. I mean, the the soil is shallow. Cotton would play that out pretty quickly. Also, pasture land for cattle and horses and also just the normal farming that most families did, you know, with a garden and some hogs and, you know, just... Dairy cattle, of course. But yeah, the, the, the plantations, you're over in part of the, the uh, where both are, in, in part of the, the uh, Swisher plantation. Hmm. You're in Travis Heights, I'm in Bolden. Bolden plantation was beyond us to the west. Forgive me for not knowing the answer to this. And instead of looking it up, I just wait to ask Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but did the governor's just happened to live there or was that the governor's mansion oh no interestingly it had this the same builder abner Mm -hmm. cook built both the the governor's mansion and woodlawn along the current current governor's mansion yes okay yes i believe 1854 but i don't think it was occupied until after that and there are a lot of similarities now abner cook let's make it very clear he is uh, beloved as as a builder he was not truly an architect in the way that we think about it today because he was using pattern books. This would be exactly the same kind of house that you might find in Tennessee or Kentucky or mm. somewhere else because they, they made these kind of build by numbers. Kind of. Oh, wow. Interesting. And, but he did it beautifully. The Neil Cochran house over in West Campus is another one of his. And it's the only one you can get in easily because it's a museum now. Uh, whereas the governor's mansion, they've been very, ever since the the fire they've been Mm -hmm. very very careful about letting people in it's very restricted and of course woodlawn the pease mansion is uh, a private home residence so it was never the governor's mansion no okay no and it was i can see the confusion because of the architect tie yeah and governor's living there (laughs) (laughs) not only governor pease but also governor shivers I, it could have just been me, but I think that's a common misconception that that was our governor's mansion at yeah, one time. no, it wasn't. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Some people that visited this mansion include Sam Houston. George Custer. Will Rogers. 
Elizabeth Nay. Who we've talked about, the sculptor. Right, the sculptor. And I, the other name I didn't know, Edith Head. Tell me who Edith was. She was a costume designer hmm. and very famous costume designer. And she was, and I, and I guess it was my theatrical background that made me pull that name out of okay. the, the records. But yeah, she probably designed costumes for, for hundreds of movies. But she was a, a big celebrity in her day. And then another name that's come up on another episode of Austin Found, a descendant of the Pease family, Jean Cruzman Daniels. Yeah, she is a slightly controversial animal rights activist who owns Terrytown Center. You know, it's her private property. She can decide what to do with it, but she has banned any of the stores from selling not only meat, but animal products mm -hmm. uh, in Terrytown Center. And our, our good friend, the late humor columnist, John Kelso, <laughs> used to make fun of that all the time. <laughs> he just felt that that was just too Austin-y to be Austin. And, uh, I, I give her credit. You know, she mm -hmm. sticks by her principles. And, you know, like you said on another episode, we we get... Austin Pets Alive. Austin Pets Alive is, is, there. You know, she's putting her money where her mouth is and yeah. probably, for the most part, donating that yeah, space yeah. to Austin Pets Alive, which is where our dog Maverick came from. But the fun part of the story was now you have this, this all unfolded, the history of these plantations and the, and the, and who lived in the, in these and how, and then being split up and all that. And then what did Jim and Linda end up doing with this, these documents? It's, it's oh, it being did. archived, right? Yeah, it's at the Austin History Center. And it's incredibly valuable material because you will find on one page the relationship of the land to a claim from the 18... 40s, or, and you, you get to piece together who had these land grants and what did they encompass, some of them from Spanish days, some from Mexican, some from uh, Republic of Texas days. Just sorting all that out through the years is, I, I'm still learning. I'm yeah. still learning. And then a fun little side note before we, we wrap up this story is that the city didn't want them having a two-numbered address oh, that's <laughs> on Niles. Yes, I mean, it, 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 their address was 14 Niles Road. Right. This goes back to the original layout of this neighborhood by the Pease family. And they named all the things, you should know this too, is they named a lot of the streets, not only after family names, but all these places in Connecticut where they're from. Mm. You know, Enfield, you know, all these names are from, I think even Windsor is in, in Connecticut. And one of the descendants, uh, a granddaughter, chose the name for Terrytown. Right, right. Right. There's a lot of history just in street names. One of the things we find out in this abstract of title, which is fascinating to me, is that the folklore was that Governor Shivers purchased the house in January... 15th, 1957, outgoing Governor Shivers and his wife, they took possession of Woodlawn from the Pease family who had moved in exactly a hundred years ago. That's what people would tell mm -hmm. you from old Enfield. There are a lot of really celebrated people who live within a couple blocks of there. Mm -hmm. And they would tell you that story. Well, it turns out the deed of uh, the abstract tells us that, in fact, Pease made his purchase on July 25th, 1859, not 1957. Off by two years. So Governor Shepherds <laughs> was so proud of this 100-year marker yeah. for the place, but no. Huh. <laughs> 
So uh, I'm dying to know because I thought it was almost like a museum when I used to live by it and walk by it. I didn't know someone was residing in it. Who lives in it now? I believe it's still Jeff Sandifer and his family. He's an entrepreneur and educator and something of a philosopher of education. And he started the Acton School of Business, which mm -hmm. is over on Riverside Drive and used to be a major force at the Macomb School of Business. He is... A, very interesting uh, man, and he and his family really did a fantastic job of fixing up Woodlawn, which is also known as the Peace Mansion. We love getting emails from you, and we appreciate your input, feedback, good or bad, and you can definitely ask questions. Kendall writes, I'm over the moon writing you this email and hope you are well. I discovered Austin Found last month during a long drive from Portland, Oregon to Austin. Now fully caught up on episodes, I'm halfway through Indelible Austin Volume 1. This is my second consecutive Friday night drinking beer and reading Indelible Austin. It's wonderful. <laughs> Shout out to book people. And then Kendall asked a few questions. I'm going to pick one of them, okay, for the sake of time. Maybe we can address another one another time. Kendall wants to know, what was it like living in, on the east side in the 80s? And what was your motivation to live there at the time? I lived in three houses on the east side during the 1980s and 90s. One up near the airport, one central on, on East 13th, and one on Garden Street, which is in the Holly neighborhood. And basically, I grew up in and always have loved neighborhoods that had a lot of character, that were affordable, that were walkable, and had a diverse population. Basically, I was living mostly in places that my hippie predecessors had fixed up that were no longer interesting to people like Victorians and bungalows. Mm -hmm. And uh, we really loved our neighbors. We really wanted to live there, but I mean, buy there. In, in the 90s, but uh, we found that a lot of the houses that we liked would take twice as much to fix up, you know, and to bring up to code and so forth. Mm. And I didn't realize until much, much later, and so I ended up buying in Boulder, but I didn't realize until much, much later that a lot of that had to do with redlining, which was the practice of excluding certain areas of the city from getting bank loans. And as a homeowner, you know, oh, wow. you use your home as as a way of borrowing money to fix up your home. Mm -hmm. So if you were in a redlined area, and this was true all across the country, but if you were in a redlined area in Austin, in East Austin certainly was, you couldn't get a loan, not from a big bank, in order to keep your home up. That did not dawn on me until much later. I loved living in East Austin. I loved our neighbors. I loved discovering the history and helping people find more about the history of their own neighborhoods. We fell in love with South Austin, too. So. Yeah, that's. I remember in the um, mid-90s, you, you couldn't get a pizza delivered mm -hmm. in that's East right. Austin. In the, you know, I had a friend with a business over there, and I was like, well, let's order some pizza. And we're like, you can't. Yeah. No one will deliver here. 
now in that same area sits a brand new Whole Foods. Right. That's how much it has changed. Right. No. And and what's happening has has been good for some people and and terrible for others. I mean, it it it's breaking up communities. Mm-hmm. It's meaning that a lot of people can't afford to live there who've lived there all their lives. I always feel like when I am in a neighborhood that it is my responsibility to help build that community and keep the community going and to try to add what little I can to to make it uh, as good a place as it can be. And that certainly while we were in East Austin and and a lot of that time I was going to graduate school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was mostly focused on campus and, and all the places I've lived or almost all of them have either been uh, easy walking distance to campus or easy walking distance to the statesman where we are right. sitting right now. Right, right. Well, thank you for your email, Kendall. We really appreciate it. And anyone can write to us. mbarnes at statesman.com. Or jhager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. We appreciate you tuning in. Pass it on to your friends. Post it on socials to check out Austin Found. And also pick up your copy of Indelible Austin at Book People if you're in Austin. Or they'll ship it to you if you're not. There are three volumes. And I'm working on number four. I'm almost complete. I have almost completed the rough draft. And these, all of these Austin found episodes come from stories that either I wrote for the Statesman or are in Indelible Austin. And this story was out of volume three, by the way. And and you know what I haven't done? I haven't put the volume side by side. Do you change the skyline photo every edition? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You have to, right? Oh, yeah. Look in the back. You see, those are the other covers. Oh, okay. One's the Capitol. Yeah, because my other volumes are, are right behind you. Yeah. And, and one is the bridge. Yeah. Everybody viewing the bats. But yeah, you got you to make sure you have the most current skyline if you're going <laughs> to use a sky. And it's going to change uh, again and again. And, and all again. three of those drone shots were done by a very talented uh, young man named Chris Sherman, who was one of the very first of our uh, really successful drone photographers in town. Very cool. Thank you for tuning in to Austin Found. We appreciate it. Thank you.